Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, and welcome to Wannabe, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm Imriel Morgan, founder of Content is Queen, a podcast agency and community for ambitious podcasters. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Wannabe's focus is to help you take consistent action to build a successful life and career in the creative and entertainment industries. I pulled together this season just before my baby girl arrived and changed my entire world. As always, I let my curiosity lead the way when curating these conversations. This season is no different. But this time, I speak to mums who continue to level up their careers after the babies have arrived. I can assure you that while every guest is a parent, this isn't a parenting podcast. So expect the same great practical steps to elevate your career. Before we get to our incredible guests, just a quick note for any aspiring or current podcasters listening. If you are looking for a cozy and affordable professional studio space, or perhaps you want some free resources and insights and tips and tricks to grow your podcast, head on over to contentisqueen.org where you can find out how you can level up your podcast today. All right, let me get to this guest. Jams Supernova. I've been following Jams for a few years and I have had the absolute pleasure to watch her evolve and elevate her career in so many different ways. Jams Supernova made a name for herself on BBC Radio 1 Extra and as of late Radio 6 Music. Jams is also a presenter, a label head, a journalist, a podcast host and an AR scout. Like she is really out here doing the damn thing and you will hear all about it. Trust me. In today's episode, Jams will teach you the importance of making space for your passion. She shares how she's funded her career as a DJ and kept up with the trends in her industry, which honestly seemed to just change all the time. I did not know that about DJing, but here we are. Jams also describes how she allows her curiosity to drive her career. Let's get into it. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? I think at the at the beginning was any kind of presenter, like a TV presenter, you know, like Angelica Bell or Makita Oliver or June Sarpong or any of that era. Yeah. And then I guess who I am has gone a lot more down the sort of specialist music route and music being more at the forefront than my personality being more at the forefront. I think that's kind of who I am now. That's so interesting, though. They are all such great presenters. And that definitely was the era of Black and Mixed Women being actually on TV screens. Where are they now? But how did music get involved? Where did that come from? And when did you realise that it was going to be the thing that carried you forward? Well, I think I was always into music. That's just what I did was look for music, find music, be interested in, in new music. But I didn't know if there was a job doing that. or I didn't really, it wasn't really on my radar that there would be a job in that. I didn't really see any DJs that sort of 
resembled me or looked like me mm-hmm. and it felt like DJing felt like really hard to get into like if you couldn't afford decks we didn't know where to practice it, it felt like a bit of an impossible hurdle but it was when that I got to the Brit school I started I went to the Brit school for oh, college cool. yeah it was like a performing arts school for those that don't know and they had this media course there and when I went for the, to look around just with a friend I saw the radio studio and I was like, ah, oh, okay. So I could have a bit of personality and put the music together. And mm-hmm. the perfect place to do that would be on the radio. So that was at 16. And then that sort of like, yeah, set me on a whole nother path. And I think as well, you, you mentioned that era, that specific sort of early 2000s, late 90s era of black and mixed women on the TV. And then it kind of started going backwards a little bit. And not only was it going backwards in terms of diversity, but also the opportunities like TV wasn't, wasn't the be all and end all anymore. And they were cancelling shows left, right and centre. Like yeah. I think by the time I got to college, they were looking to wrap up your T4s and your pop world. That whole segment of TV was dying. And I think because YouTube was coming in or cuts or I don't know, maybe they couldn't see the future at that time. So I was like, well, yeah, actually, I'm going to have to kind of refigure what I want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all quite divine timing, to be honest. Yeah, because radio is actually the perfect blend of the things that you say you love, right? It really is like play music, be your personality, and present I suppose like the biggest difference is that one's visual one's really not so do you still have a desire to be like front-facing be a personality on camera or actually have you found a real love for just being like no I'm just the the voice behind the mic and the person that puts the music out I found a love of being the voice behind the mic but I feel like now 15 years on or whatever I'm ready to be a a face on tv but on my own terms Mm. Because I think then I would have been like, jazz hands, oh my God, <laughs> hey guys, welcome to T4 Beach, you know, it's happening, party, you know, whereas <laughs> now I want to do like <laughs> serious music journalism or kind of like your Jules Hollands. I think there's a niche that I, I, I want to be and I want to be part of the producing of it, you know, before I would just been happy just to turn up and go into hair and makeup and come out and read a script. But, you know, I want to be part of producing the show and booking people and, you know, how it looks and how it comes out. So I think I've got a lot more kind of knowledge and understanding now of who I am to be mm-hmm. able to step in front of that. And I think before maybe I was trying to be somebody else. That's a really interesting point. I can't remember who I was speaking to, but they mentioned another presenter. It was Charlotte Tahira, actually. So I was speaking to Charlotte Tahira, who is the person I last spoke to before my baby was born. She was talking about the fact that when she started out, she was like really bubblegum and really trying to be like overly energetic. And actually she was like, that's not authentic to me. Like I know who my voice is. I know what I'm like. I know how I want to portray myself. And it just took her going on that journey to get to that place. And it sounds quite similar in that regard. Like you, you're like, actually, if I had gone that route very early, maybe I would have been a completely, I would have presented completely differently. Whereas now I'm grounded in me. Is that right? Yeah. And it could take a long time, you know, because, you know, to find out who you really are and to be comfortable as you, not just on air or, in front of a camera just in life you know in general life and I think everything is telling you not to be yourself Mm. whether it's the magazines you read the films you consume everybody is telling you that there's this one or or maybe a few different versions of how somebody should be and if you fall kind of outside of that you know you have to find friends that are similar to you you know it's like a lifelong journey of of getting yourself to a position where you're the most comfortable I went to school in southeast London in Deptford and and I love school I had a great time but I do think there was a lot of me that I suppressed there yeah. because it would be seen as weird or like nerdy. And going to the Brit school kind of allowed me to be my full authentic self because 
I realized that I'm not even that quirky at all. Like there, <laughs> there are people way more quirky and way more interesting than I am. And they have no problems expressing it. And being in that environment allowed me to really get comfortable with who I was. I lived around the corner from the Brit School and it was always a place of great intrigue because I lived in South Norwood and it's in Selhurst. Yeah, yeah, I'm in Selhurst now. Are you? Oh, no, that's the names. It was such a place of intrigue. The school I went to, it was because you'd just hear about the Brit School and loads of kids Mm. would be like, I'm going to go to the Brit School. It was a place of real magic and luster, but I only knew it to be like kids that wanted to do acting, kids that wanted to sing. I didn't know that there was this like whole bit in between. So how did you even... And come to learn about the opportunity of going to the Brit School and the opportunities that it could have presented for you because I guess you probably would have learned more whilst you're there obviously like you said you learn about radio or the opportunities in radio yeah I mean I didn't know that they like they did it like you said I thought it was like if you don't sing or you don't dance then there's nothing for you but I went with a friend she was applying she could sing and she wanted to go and have a look round. she asked me to come with her mm. and I realized that it wasn't that far from me on the bus I was living in Penn just 75 route straight there yeah. <laughs> um so I was like yeah it works for me fine so I came, I went with her and we just started looking around and then literally I just stumbled into the radio studio and I was like they do a whole media course here and then I applied but I would never have known had I have not gone with that friend that's nice that's great there was something you mentioned early on about DJing not being one super diverse so you're not seeing the representation you needed to feel like that was an option but also like the cost or the barrier to entry with that Mm -hmm. tell me about that first deck like what what did you want to get what did you end up getting and what was the journey that you went on when you knew that DJing was something that you kind of could have or wanted to pursue Yes. I mean, with the actual physical act of DJing. So I started the radio first, did a lot of radio and kind of really got it sucked into that world. And I didn't actually start learning how to DJ until I was, uh, I would say about, it was like 2023, I would say. And it was because I had a mentor and he was like, on the radio journey that I was going on, I was getting more and more specialist every year and getting more and more niche. And he was like, you're going to have to learn how to DJ because if you start getting bookings, people might want you to come and play their parties. And if you can't mix, it's going to be awkward. So <laughs> you're not going to have the credibility on the radio if you can't have the credibility on the clubs I mean it's a little times have changed but we had to work on the ground as well to earn the respect so I was like oh gosh I should learn then because I really genuinely thought that if especially as I didn't see many women around me but I knew boys that DJ but they've been DJing since they were 15 14 in their bedroom and I just assumed that it was like an acquired skill that if you hadn't learned it at that age in life then you're never going to get it it's too hard and he just told me obviously that's ridiculous that's stupid and I remembered then that I had my uncle my great uncle sorry used to be a DJ and he had these techniques and they were all the way in Birmingham so basically I pestered my uncle to go and get them for me (laughs) he'd go to my great uncle and get them because they were just under the bed so he went and got them brought them down to London for me He kept them in his house for a while and then he decided that he would give them to me to have in my house. So I started on those. They're really old. I mean, I've still got them now. I'm going to get them serviced, actually, because I can't wait to get them back out. And they're in perfect condition. They just need a little servicing. But I started on there. I had this Gemini mixer, which is like, I mean, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) It was in a flight case, a blue flight case. Everything was in the flight case. I've got Serato. So my friend sold me her Serato. So you've got the vinyl discs and then you attach it to your laptop and then you can start to mix like that. So that's what I started on. But then when it came to the clubs, they didn't have the, for some reason, like vinyl had fallen very far out of fashion. So we're looking at like, yeah, 2013, 2014, then in terms of like your everyday clubs. And when you got there, 
you'd have to bring your own needles. You didn't know if the, if it was plugged in properly or the earth wires were in. So it was just a stressful way to DJ because yeah. you just, you'd just be jumping around all the time. So I told my mentor, Gavin, all these issues. <laughs> and he was like, well, I've actually got a pair of CDJs that I will sell to you. And you can pay me off in installments. Aww. So he sold me them, which sounded like a lot of money back then. It sold me them for £400. And I paid him £100 every month. Good credit arrangement. <laughs> yeah, and they were pioneers and they were CDJ 1000s Mark II. So then I graduated to Serato CDs and started really learning on those properly. And yeah, and then after that, so I was on those for a couple of, a good couple of years. Then I decided that those weren't in the clubs anymore. By the time that I wasn't like ready enough to play in the clubs, so I was like, oh, I need to get like, I need to upgrade because I don't know what these ones, other ones do. And like the iPhone, every, there's new ones that come out all the time. So then I was like, okay, right, I'm going to need to... And I wanted to move to USBs. I think I was ready at that point to move to USBs. So I basically made a big mistake because I thought that the money that you put aside for your tax, that if you spent it as an expense, then you wouldn't owe the tax man any money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cracking up, but I do this too. <laughs> I mean, it's a valid way of thinking, but that's just not how it works. No, it's not. No. <laughs> Not even slightly at all. <laughs> yeah, and I spent it. So basically, I'd, I'd started, I'd been a year on one extra at this point, and I'd saved all my tax money, and I had three grand, which is exactly what I needed to buy these decks. It was the most money that I've ever had in an account that was savings. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to buy these decks, and it's going to, you know, it's going to wipe out the tax I owe. I will never pay tax. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, um, <laughs> And then I bought them, and then, yeah, I mean, I've got them there. They're on, I just come off them today. I will never sell them. I'll never get rid of them. They are my absolute babies. Because then about two weeks after that, I tell my manager at the time, I was like, yeah, Helen, I've got decks, you know, I've got the latest ones now. And I was like, and I did it like this. And she was like, that's not how accounting works. <laughs> and I just remember the dread and the fear of thinking, oh my God, how am I going to get that three grand back? But equally, I'm never going to let go of these decks. So <laughs> something's got to give. And then here we are. So I, if I was like down and out my last time, those decks are coming they're staying with me <laughs> that's so funny yeah they are <laughs> yeah I run into that same tax loophole or not loophole the thing that you think I spend mm-hmm. it all the time I still do it and I know better um <laughs> so I'm just saying it works itself out doesn't it it, it does, always it works does. itself out in the end I just stare at it like well I ain't got it so I guess you're just gonna have to wait <laughs> until I have it <laughs> like that <laughs> but no I feel like listening back to that one it's incredible to hear your passion and your love for this and your dedication to committing to learning the craft but it also just sounds like so incredibly hard you're learning one skill And then it's like obsolete so quickly. You have to learn something else and have to learn something else. How do you keep the motivation? Like, what is it that keeps the drive going? It's what you said. It's the love of the craft. I mean, now it's a lot easier and it's a lot more accessible. Like technology has come a long way in the last eight years. Like now you can spend a thousand pound and get a miniature version of what is actually in the clubs. So you can at least get the principle down. And then when you get to the clubs, you know, they're just, it's just bigger. That's all. Nothing, nothing's that different on it. But I think for me, it was always the, it was the craft and learning the craft and learning to mix. And the, I, I love mixing. Like, you know, I really, I can get lost mixing. And I spent a lot of time in my early twenties when I was learning in my living room on my own mixing. You know, that's how I spend my my evenings and I and I look back at that time fondly yeah I loved it so I just love I I love the element of learning and it's a lifelong thing but you can hear yourself getting better 
like there'll always be something else to learn and always like you know there's like the newest decks now I'm like oh they're so gross they're so horrible so big and they're like touch screen and like oh they've ruined it <laughs> I will have to get on them at some point you know it's unavoidable I'm gonna have to get comfortable with them but yeah I just love the skill the craft the getting better the learning new tricks you know for me it Someone said it to me the other day when I was I came off. They were like, "You play it like it's an instrument," and that's what I've always wanted it to be for me, mm. which is an is an instrument. And you know, someone that comes from vinyl from the vinyl days will always probably be like, "Oh, it's not the same in my day. Back <laughs> in my day, you had to use just your ears, and you didn't have any screens. But you know, and now they have touch screens. But it's how you use it, isn't it? It's how am I going to use all these effects? How am I going to use these little cues and these buttons that didn't exist, you know, thirty years ago? Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're going to be that person with the touchscreens and all the oh, upgrades. I'm going to have to be, yeah, it's pending. It's a rite of passage <laughs> to just yeah. be like, I can't deal with that. That's too new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be me. I'll be like, but yeah, back in my day, you had to actually press buttons. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. But I would love to know how, because you recently had a baby, and mm-hmm. I would love to know how you're juggling the work you're doing and your big goals and aspirations, especially around moving, being ready for TV and wanting to be involved in TV and production and looking at music journalism as another part or another tool in your tool belt like how has that changed or has it changed since you've had your daughter yeah I mean the juggle is definitely real I know you've just gone back to work and yeah <laughs> uh, and, and I think we took a similar similar amount of time off the sort of two month mark and it's everything is a logistic everything is a the diary needs to be like at this time I'm doing this at that time I need to do that at that time I need to do that but in order for me to do that I'm gonna have to call on the biggest favors ever yeah or I'm going to have to financially take a hit um, <laughs> and have childcare, but know that it's in order for me to just to, like, this is the season, just get by. This is the season that I'm in is, is the season to get by because if I do the work that I need to do, the next two years could look very different. And I feel like I'm back again, replotting for the longevity. And I think that I had a lot of time to think on my maternity leave. And I think that when I had her obviously you know so much changes and you change as a person even the yeah. pregnancy is going through the pregnancy as well so like quite a long process isn't it and yeah. for me longest. it's like <laughs> yes it is you know it's like yeah how many months of your it's a year basically yeah. of, of a transition I definitely started to think about where and how I want to spend my time mm. like time is like really really important and if I am going to go out to work and not be with her, then it needs to be meaningful. I've got like three things, like it even needs to feed my soul, raise my profile or feed my bank, you know, out of these three things. Like, what is, it, what is it? Yeah. What's it going <laughs> to do for down. me? Yeah. And that's kind of how I weigh up anything that sort of comes in and what I'm doing at this current time as well. And it was really weird because when I was off with her, so the second month, my partner took it off with me the first month. He works in music and so we both work for ourselves. 
the second month he went back to the studio yeah and I was like oh my god you can't leave me I was like, you can't leave me on my own. Like, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was fine. And I was being dramatic because this is literally what people have to do all the time. Yeah. Um, people yeah. go back after two weeks. So, you know, men sometimes have to go back after two weeks. And then we had the month together. So just me and her. And I started doing like little bits of work that were just, I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Like whether it was listening to music, whether it was watching a documentary, whether it was like jotting down ideas. And I just thought, this is just me. This the what I do is just so innately part of me that you can't just switch it off. Mm-hmm. It's there's not a stop button. And I started having conflicting thoughts, like, well, isn't being a mother enough? And then I'd be like, Well, no, it's not, no. it's not enough. I love it, <laughs> but it's not enough. But then the mothering aspects that I do do and the time that I do put in, like I love that time. I definitely relate to that. And thank you for sharing that, actually, because like you, I'd be like responding to emails or just checking in. I like what I do, so it didn't feel like work or stress. It gets easier. Yeah, I, I'm going to take that on board because we, we, it is. Like, especially when you work in like entertainment or any creative field, because a lot of us get into it because we love it. I can imagine that actually when it crosses over with parenting, like both things feel like a priority. Like I don't want to lose. My biggest fear mm-hmm. with pregnancy was losing my identity or losing myself oh, in motherhood and yeah. I was like actually now I'm out of it and on the other side and this is not even anything towards people that may have still lost themselves and were creatives but I think like I just don't think it, I could have lost it and I haven't immediately was just there like no I still have things to do and I love being your mum but I think I love I also love what I do and I love both yeah. things kind of yeah. it, almost equally a little bit her a bit more yeah. but yeah yeah her in terms of like what is life life yeah, is this you know I made you <laughs> blood of yeah. my blood <laughs> like yes. yeah exactly you know the linear the legacy lives on you know my first born <laughs> but like in terms of like what gets you what excites you and the you know there's little things that just spark a little bit of joy it's like it does come from doing what you love getting that email and getting that moment that you've been yeah. trying to hustle for like they're, they're two different feelings they like completely live in different different planets of your being but being out and about with her I've, it's been such an incredible really positive response because I was a bit worried that in this DJ radio world it could be quite it it feels like it can be quite a young person's game it's not it doesn't have to be and there's definitely a lot of examples of it not being that but sometimes it can be like who's the new hardest 18 year old 20 year old coming through you know yeah <laughs> um and I felt like maybe if I had a baby then maybe that would make me like irrelevant mm. and then people would see me as old um which is you know again really really stupid and ridiculous but being out and about the amount of people when I was DJing pregnant I'd have young girls being like I'm like are you pregnant oh it's so amazing to see you in the club oh it just shows us that you know I'm not ready for baby but when I am I'm gonna be in the club as well like (laughs) I've had people say to me like oh that's so cool that you you brought her okay that makes me feel like yeah maybe I when I go back to work or or, you know, when I'm performing or I'm touring, that I can do that as well. So, yeah, the response has been in- incredible. So it kind of gives me the confidence to keep on. Like, I went for dinner last night at Shoreditch House and took her with me. Did you? And, that. like, she was like a little celebrity walking through. People like, people, I could see people's eyes like, is that baby? Like, <laughs> I, could, I could bring my baby here. You know, it's like, yes, yeah, she can. See, I love that because, actually, I noticed on your Instagram, you were bringing her out and about. And I was like, that actually, you saying, like, people respond to that. I realised I could do the same. Yeah, it, you, I think watching you do that actually was great inspiration for me to know that actually life can continue on and you can still work in this industry and still be kind of out here and about. Seeing is believing, especially when you're a new mum and a first-time mum. I think there's something about not necessarily following or knowing that many people in your social circle or having people in your social circle, but 
peers in entertainment or peers people that you look up to or follow or admire mm -hmm. they can help you realize so much about your own worldview because you're following them for a reason right like there's yes. something you like or something that you see in them that you would like for yourself yeah yeah and you're one of those people for me as mum like I was like oh this is great mum content because it's inspirational yeah. it's great <laughs> and, and it's nice to know that actually you've had like a lovely response to that and not people being like why she doing that because you see those comments too not mm -hmm. necessarily like from your content but people are judgy when it comes to parenting oh and they're think, so judgy yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's always an opinion <laughs> the positive outweighs it I was at the Six Music Festival with her and um, Six Music asked if they could post a picture of us everyone was like oh so cool you know, she's like it's the coolest baby she gets to go everywhere and then there was that one comment like oh my god overstimulation much and then someone was like shut up like everyone else was like <laughs> sort of chiming in like shut up or oh, there had to be one negative comment like there's always going to be yeah something um, but yeah, just block it. Block yeah, it out. <laughs> that's good. Good advice. What are you working on getting better at right now? Or what are you working on improving for yourself right now? There's a couple of things that I'm wanting to be better at. and But I always come back to it. I mean, it's the broadcasting. Like for me, I always want to be a better broadcaster. I could always be better. There's always little things that I could tighten or not get complacent with. So that kind of is always, I'm always listening back, especially with the six music show. More so now I'm like listening back and actually like, trying to get back to like thinking about what I want to say why do I want to say that how do I want to execute that and not being lazy with it so there's that and I'm always trying to perfect the perfect DJ set and again like yeah not always winging it like I think winging it's great sometimes but sometimes like you know I'm going to festival season and I want to I want to know what is going to make you dance the most like how can I be me a sprinkle of what you need as well what you want yeah also retaining my authenticity but also take you on a journey. So I've got an hour, an hour and a half to do that. You know, how am I going to pack it all in and make it feel impactful? And that's kind of what I'm thinking about and focusing on right now. What does that even look like? Because I mean, there's one, no such thing as perfect. And what makes me dance, it, this is what makes you dance. Exactly. And it's trial and error. I yeah. think I just got to do it. I'm going to have to get out there. Like I'm, you know, I'm working on a set that's happening for the weekend. And all I can do is take it gig by gig and set by set. And by the end of the season, the end of the run, I'll, I hopefully will have nailed it. So yeah, they're the things that I'm sort of focused on and trying to get better at. They're the things that I do all the time, but they're the things that I'm always thinking that, that could be tweaked, that could be tweaked. But you, you know, you mentioned before, like about the about like the TV stuff, yeah, and like how I was kind of trying to like navigate into that world. So I think it's just laying the small foundations for the next year. Like I'm already thinking about like 2023, 2024. Like where does that sit? Where does that live? How would that work? So like plotting those conversations and like trying to get back to like networking as well, yeah. like having meetings and being in front of people and saying hi, I do this, or you know, hi, you know, like kind of being hungry again. Yeah. And I do think the kick of that is is from having the baby. I feel I feel hungry again. I feel ambitious again. Yes, that no one ever talks about that. Or I've not heard many people talk about that. Mm. But that is such a real sensation of. Uh, I think it ties neatly back to those three things that I definitely wrote down: as feed myself, raise my profile, feed my bank. Like mm -hmm. suddenly everything becomes so much more important. Your time becomes so much more important because it's time you're taking away from, or potentially taking away from your like looking after your kid and they're cute yeah. and adorable and designed to be stayed with <laughs> in yeah, some exactly. ways so actually like that driving that hunger of every moment counts and actually I want 
everything I do to be impactful because that's what they're going to grow up and see. Is that what you're experiencing when you think of your hunger, that, that hunger? Is that what's driving it or is it actually a little bit of something else? Or... Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it is that. and But I think as well, the, I kind of maybe emerging as a as a new being and want maybe something that would maybe, maybe different things, you know, that the path has sort of changed again. And, yeah. And I'm into it. Nice. I love that. Final question. What is the best advice you've ever received and the worst advice you've ever received? Oh, I mean, the worst advice that I ever received would probably have been from when I was like starting out in radio. They always say that you should be careful who you tell your dreams to. And I don't believe that because I think saying it out loud is what makes it feel more real. But you have to be prepared for the people that will try and dull your dreams. When people will be like, what do you want to do? I'll be like, I want to do it. I want to, I want to get into radio. I want to be a presenter. I want to do this in music. Well, that's really hard though, isn't it? Like, mm. yeah, it's a really hard thing to do. So like I- ignoring that or someone told me that I didn't have a voice for radio. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. There was no advice to give. It was just a statement that I didn't have a voice for radio. But so-and-so does. And this is the station manager, you know? So I was like, okay. Oh, no. I can't change my voice. So I, I had to like park it. It's like, well, if I can't change it, I can't do nothing about it. And when I was working in production at BBC Radio One Extra, someone said to me, like, just not sure that it's going to happen for you. It doesn't really happen that like that you can go from production to presenting anymore. Probably Annie Mac and Nick Bright were the last people that would happen for. So, yeah, I just don't really see it happening for you. And if I'd have taken that, then like, yeah, I would never have gotten to where I am. Yeah, you get a lot of people that will try it because they, they weren't brave enough to do it themselves yeah. that's how I see it and, and maybe they don't even want it but in my head I turned them into I'm become Michael Jordan <laughs> and then I was like and then you became my enemy you know <laughs> and now you are my nemesis and I will destroy you um, <laughs> like literally and maybe they didn't even mean it like that like I've literally just taken it and I'm like, I will show you and then the best advice is that I've been given and I always remember this is actually like you know whatever it is do the task at hand well like we can be as ambitious as we want. We can want the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But do what you're doing right now really well and make sure that you deliver on that. And then yeah. the opportunities will arise for you to give them your time or for you to give them your advice. And in terms of like all advice as well, like general, take what you need and leave the rest. Amen. That is very true. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't resonate, just don't take it. And Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not yours. It's not for you. It's not your bag. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. This was phenomenal I feel like I learned a lot but it was also just really nice to meet you and connect and just yeah have this moment so thank you so much yeah lovely to chat and it's just so nice to meet other moms who who are bossing it Jams has such great energy can we talk about that gem she dropped so casually about how she decides where to put her energy here's a reminder it needs to feed my soul raise my profile or feed my bank account that is a bar It was so refreshing to hear how she's balancing motherhood with her work. It's actually wild how similar we are in that respect, actually. I highly recommend following Jams on Twitter and Instagram at Jam Supernova. That's J-A-M-Z-S-U-P-E-R-N-O-V-A. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this half an hour has made you think, reflect and contemplate what your next step should be. If you'd like to share it with me, please do over at Content is Queen HQ on Instagram or at Content is QN on Twitter. We'd love to know what steps and actions you're taking from these episodes. I'd like to encourage you to think about one person who would benefit from the messages shared today. And I'd love for you to share this episode with them right now. If you'd like to keep up with the latest episode releases, 
do follow Wannabe on your favourite podcast player and follow us on Instagram as well at Content is Queen HQ. Until next time, bye. This is a Content is Queen production, hosted and produced by me, Imriel Morgan. Editing and sound design by Joseph Perry. Music and sound effects are from Epidemic Sound. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 